Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Empire. Fantasy has a home in motorsports. Our game of skill carve out um, is more singular and not salary cap based. And so that product is, is one that we're starting to think about and hopefully going to roll out maybe next summer where, you know, it's less, you're not joining pools with other people. You're kind of more betting directly on, on singular events. Did this driver finish over under this position? That's Ross Bruin, CEO and co-founder of Grid Rival, which aims to serve the fans of racing with social and gaming options. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Ross Bruin is a motorsports fan, and as you'll hear, falls into the category of one who likes other sports, but doesn't find himself crossing over to other sports often. It is those other sports, though, where gaming options are thriving, so he set out to solve a couple of problems. Figuring out offerings that racing fans would actually engage with, while at the same time, giving this underserved group a place to engage. Our guest this week is Ross Fruin, who is the CEO and the co-founder of Grid Rival, which is a platform for fantasy sports, for motorsports, and the obsessed fans in it. Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. All right, tell me the the background of this and the basis of this. Why did you want to build something that was fantasy sports for motorsports fans? Yeah, background of it was um, I kind of grew up as a diehard motorsports fan. And one of the things that you will hear that's pretty consistent amongst a lot of race fans is a lot of them are exclusively or mostly motorsports fans. You know, a lot of us are not also traditional, huge traditional sports fans. There is, of course, some overlap. But, um, you know, I just always grew up watching my friends play fantasy football and you know march madness and kind of really just wondered why that level of engagement um didn't exist uh, for the sports that i loved and kind of the genesis of the project was a funny story we were at the formula one race in 2016 and we had rented an rv at the circuit of america's out in austin and the thursday before the race i had a friend um and i could hear him i was inside our rv and i could hear him outside kind of like yelling and so i went outside and i said hey you know what's going on is everything okay and it turned out he was like he had his phone up he was yelling at his phone while he was watching a football game because his fantasy team was losing uh, yeah. and so that was the point where i was like man this is obviously a powerful tool and so that's when the journey started we started by building a season-long league-based model for for f1 and then um <clears throat> you know our first week online back then that was 2017 we signed up about twenty thousand players and that's when I started to obviously pay a lot more attention to the space. And then, you know, Passbowers appealed in um, 2018, which is what has allowed the sports betting craze to really grow quickly in America. <clears throat> and so had a lot of life changes happen a, a, a very, um, very close to around that same time. 
um, exited my last company and had an opportunity to go pursue this full time and and really go after kind of the sports betting audience uh, in the motorsports arena. So what was your background, Ross? Um, What did you do? Yeah, so prior to this, my last company was actually a media buying agency. So I started that uh, in 2012 and I ran that for seven years. And essentially, we managed anywhere between 30 to $40 million a year on Facebook ads, Instagram ads, um, primarily for B2B uh, companies with long sales cycles. But we definitely had some you know, B2C and retail stuff. And so I kind of knew going into this that I had the um, understanding of building audiences, at least you know, with direct response type mediums. And then before that, kind of just like an amalgamation of things, I was in the mortgage business for five years from um, 2007 to 2012, which was a, which was an interesting five years to be in that space. Um, and then, and then prior to that, a lot of different stuff. I, I did everything from sell cars to, um, you know, I worked at two different startups, uh, as in, in a sales role. And so I kind of have, um, always had some portion of my role be involved in, in sales and communications in one way or another. Um, and the good news is it doesn't look like fantasy sports is in a bubble, like the housing bubble. It doesn't exist. You'll be all right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, it doesn't, I, I certainly don't think so. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, all right. So let me go back to something you said initially, which we've heard this actually, we've done a lot of interviews with people in NASCAR and a little bit in an open wheel racing as well with people in and around the sport. But they said something that you said early too, that many of their fans aren't traditional crossover other P1 fans of the NFL or basketball or hockey. Do you have any sense why that is? Because those other fans are crossovers to all of these other different sports. I think a couple of reasons. One is just motorsports is fundamentally such a different sports. The mechanics of it are different. The way, you know, teams are structured are different. And I think it's also foundationally rooted in a passion for cars um, that, you know, maybe not everybody has. And so I think the things that draw somebody to, you know, enjoy football or enjoy basketball or enjoy hockey or major league baseball, I think are just so drastically different than what it is that's exciting about racing. Um, and, and, and I also think like racing, one of the things that a lot of people forget and, um, that we've really had to work hard to explain is a lot of the sports books, and fantasy operators out there that do offer some sort of motorsports coverage, they kind of lump everything into this one category called motorsports. But the reality is, is that, you know, a fan of Formula One is as unique and different as a fan of basketball is to, to, to NFL, right? The only things that Formula One and IndyCar or IndyCar and NASCAR or NASCAR and NHR drag racing share is that they are vehicles with four wheels, sometimes two. But, but outside of that, the, the sports are completely nuanced. And so I think there's just, it, it's a whole separate category in and of itself. And I think the, the, um, the answer to your question is what I said earlier. It's, it's fundamentally a different passion that I think attracts people to it. So do you think, and, and you have experience with this because you're a fan of it, that there just hasn't been space in the overall sports conversation because it's narrow? Like, how do you kind of see that? So there's there's kind of a, a number of reasons why I don't think it's been targeted, but a big one is, you know, when Pasco was repealed in 2018, some of these huge operators, the FanDuel's, DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesars of the world, um, they had to prioritize what was most obvious, which was getting to market with NFL products, NBA products, 
um, products where there's already a lot of money being bent, being bet on, on specific sports. And if you rank all sports and, and the amount of money that's wagered on them today, motorsports is pretty low on that list. Now we think it's low on that list because the motorsports fan base has not been giving, given a compelling product and a compelling reason to act yet. And so there's kind of, if we really dive into why that is, there's a, a lot of like chicken and the egg stuff, a really big part of it is there's not really interesting odds or companies that are making lines for motorsports that are anything unique beyond finish position or qualifying position. I think with motorsports, there's an opportunity to, to really make um, much more exciting products, but um, it's kind of like somebody has to put the cart before the horse. And that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to, build a product that's going to get that audience engaged that's unique and authentic which is what we really think they need and so i think the motorsports fan base as a whole in a large enough way that's compelling to investors and to be a venture style business i don't think will be engaged by jamming this motorsports category into a traditional sports book with every other type of sport i think it needs something unique and exciting and so long story short i think the big operators right now are not in the are not in the space of creating new audiences. It's a lot of work. Um, and they still have a lot of low hanging fruit with just getting live in new states as they come online. And um, so I think that's probably the, the, the simplest answer I could give. Yeah. As states turn, we've talked to a lot of gambling operators. They're in acquisition mode, especially when a state falls and they're going with bread and butter sports that people bet on a lot, football, namely basketball and some of the others. Okay. As you've then have thought about motorsports and making it an engagement betting tool, fantasy game. As I sit here and talk to you, I think about the races and I go, what is happening in the middle of the race that you could literally put metrics on, unlike in a football game where stats matter, a catch matters, a touchdown matters, it alters what's going on. How do you view changing the dynamic of what is happening on a micro level within a race? That would be putting the cart before the horse a little bit for us. Like we're we're probably a ways out from solving that exact problem. And so can I answer today exactly what I think the, the lines are for, you know, inter-race, real-time, in-play wagering? Um, we, haven't, we haven't had to solve that problem yet. But what I can say is that once we do, I think it's going to be um, a much more simple, and I, maybe simple is not the right word, but I'll just say that, you know, one of the things that's interesting about motorsports is that the, the way data collect is collected, um, meaning a, a lot of these major sports uh, motorsports series have, you know, transponders in the vehicle. The, the, the data is being streamed telemetrically, sometimes by the millisecond. Um, and you, you compare that to something like football or Major League Baseball, where a lot of these data providers that give odds and data to sports books literally have people on site or you know, they have three guys in front of 12 different screens who are watching stuff in real time, keying information in. Whereas with motorsports, that data is really readily available. And so it's just a matter of time before something has to do. Somebody finds an interesting um, set of, 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 of lines and odds to make with that data. Um, I, so I think there's I think there's a lot of opportunity there. It's not the problem in front of us um, just because it is. I mean, it's a big challenge, but I think. Um, there's no lack of, of, of ways to slice that pie when, when that's the thing that we're approaching. Okay. Then, then what is the problem that is right in front of you that you do want to solve? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the immediate goal of ours is to get our first daily fantasy game live. So I yeah. think I mentioned we um, started with a season-long league game. So we're probably 30 days out from launching our first daily fantasy product. That's kind of like a salary cap model, right? You pick a fantasy team of drivers. Um, and then the next big thing um, is is getting our product live in the United Kingdom. Um, it's a big motorsports fan base. We got licensed there three months ago. Um, and then kind of the next wave is like um, the more kind of, sports bookie gamification um, that you're seeing that still kind of fits in the daily fantasy car- game of skill carve out um, is more singular and not salary cap based. And so that product is, is one that we're starting to think about and hopefully going to roll out maybe next summer where, you know, it's less, you're not joining pools with other people. You're kind of more betting directly on, on singular events. Did this driver finish over under this position, you know, head to head lineups and stuff like that. Um, so that's like the biggest challenge in front of us. And then, of course, we have um, after this launch, we have our next fundraise coming up, which um, will probably be our bi- biggest business objective Yeah, uh, just because it's uh, so time consuming. So at this juncture, you just want to get games going. And, and are you kind of viewing what you're building, just kind of community building that you're hoping that you'll grow a pretty large community that at some point when you figure out how to monetize betting on the races, whatever that form is, that you'll have the audience kind of in tow? Is that how you're kind of viewing it? Yeah, I think really long-term. I mean, we'll our, our product that we're going to be launching in 30 days, our first daily fantasy product will be our first monetized game that's monetized through kind of a pools model where we take an operations fee for you know hosting the actual um, pool games. <clears throat> um, long-term, it may, may switch a little bit, um, but you, you are correct. At the end of the day, I think the value that we're building if you're thinking about it in terms of like a potential acquisition down the road or, or, you know, some other event like that, I think it's um, the value that we're building is really getting this audience activated um, and, and building a, a place and a center and, a, and um, a platform in which they come to do it. Okay. Um, all right. Let me ask you a couple motorsports questions to see where you've kind of landed on it. Um, this is an interesting time for what sounds like your, the sport that you really love F1. The popularity of it has changed specifically over a couple of marquee events that have occurred stateside. So what yep. do you think the future is for F1? We already know how popular it is around the world in this country. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think it still has, a lot of room to grow. I think Drive to Survive has captured a significant audience. Like I think if, if I was projecting its growth on a curve, like the last three years, we've kind of seen this hockey stick. And I think like that's going to probably level out, but continue, but continue to grow as more and more people become aware of it and more people get to engage with it um, in a way that's maybe outside of Drive to Survive, right? Being able to, the opportunity to go to events. I think like the market here is probably only so big. The fact that we have we're going to have three races in the country next year, and they're already talking about potentially a fourth three race in New York, um, which is just like, I mean, it's incredible to hear if somebody's been a lifelong F1 fan since I was <laughs> yeah. 10 years old, and they've, they've really struggled uh, to, to, to get it to resonate with the audience here, and something has happened you know, the past three years, which is really driving to survive. So I think the growth is going to, I think it's going to hinge a lot on their ability to continue to um, tell the story behind the series and um, do some of these things like that Liberty has done really well, which is focused on gaming, focus on interactivity, focus on all of the things that aren't 
watching a race live, right? And I think that's the thing that has really driven the growth in the United States. And so to the degree that they continue to, to, to do those things, I think that like there's still a lot of room for Formula One to grow in the United States, despite how much it's already grown in the last three years. Okay. Um, it doesn't sound like that NASCAR is your preferred motorsport, but I'm sure you're monitoring what they're doing as a motorsports fan. And for the purpose of this conversation, I do want to ask you what your what your reaction is to some of the changes that they've made, because it does feel like they are trying to gamify their sport a little bit and they are trying to segment their sport a little bit. They do things in stages. Yeah. Now <laughs> they have had partnerships with gaming and gambling companies, notably ones that are associated with a younger audience. As you kind of watch yep. what NASCAR is doing, um, what do you think that they're either getting right or missing on as they try to build what sounds like similarly the type of things that you're trying to build? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I would actually argue that they're they're not missing much. Um, I, w- I was actually at a NASCAR Tech Summit a couple weeks back um, in Daytona and got to hear from some of their senior leadership on, you know, what their growth plans are specifically in the gaming and interactive space. And um, I was very very impressed with the team that they put together and what they're focused on. I would actually I would actually argue that they're probably on par as far as the vision and focus of what Formula One has been doing. I think maybe they're not they're may they're maybe tailing them by just a year or two as far as you know how quickly they're rolling um, just because when liberty acquired formula one they started to move really quickly but i mean yeah hearing the fact that they're thinking about you know th- that they have a roblox strategy right for the younger generation and um so i would definitely not be betting against nascar's growth um over the next five to ten years i think they have some really ambitious goals um, goals that involve, you know, races outside the United States, goals that involve, you know, gamification and, and TikTok and Roblox and Minecraft and meeting the fans where they're at. Um, and so I think, um, combined with, you know, the next gen car and, um, the continued innovation they have, I think like NASCAR is going to continue to be a force to be reckoned with inside the United States, not only in the motorsports fan base, but I think like NASCAR is probably the one if there was a ratio in the motorsport space of like um, kind of the antithesis of the comment I made up at, at the head of the call, meaning that most motorsports fans are not traditional sports fans. I think probably the biggest exception to that would be NASCAR fan base. I think there is a decent amount of overlap. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's, you know, hundred percent or even close to it, but I think that, that that overlap is probably more than it is with formula one or more than it is with MotoGP or formula E or some of these other racing series. And so, yeah. I think they have a tremendous opportunity. I think um, it's it's a it's a longstanding brand, and I think it went through a difficult time. But I think if you look at its trajectory, um, I would certainly be betting um, betting on them continuing to to grow and. and um, grow their market share. There's clearly a lot of uh, regionality aspects to NASCAR fandom, and especially with its roots in the South, there seems to be a link between college football teams and NASCAR drivers and NASCAR events. So I, I, I agree with you. I think yeah. there's more crossover with that motorsport, but it feels very regional and not necessarily national, which is probably what's a little different. It does about feel it. a little bit regional. And I think the thing I would also say is that NASCAR, um, as somebody who's been a motorsports fan my whole life, but not as much a NASCAR fan, it has started to more recently kind of follow it and get interested in it. I think there's a story that NASCAR has to tell that maybe it hasn't, it hasn't really been able to tell or hasn't um, had an opportunity to tell very similar to formula one. I mean, drive to survive is, is, is at the end of the day, it's amazing storytelling, right? They're not talking about turbochargers and downforce and all the tech things that the car people like They're telling the story of the drivers. And I think um, a great example is there was a, um, 
uh, a documentary on on Netflix called I think Race that was about all the whole Bubba Wallace controversy. But in there, there's a lot of parts where they talked about how NASCAR worked, right? How the stages worked, how aerodynamics and the moving of air and the strategy um, worked. And it was just a whole new side of the sport that I'd never seen. And so I think NASCAR is a really interesting opportunity to be able to bring that story to the masses in a way that's engaging and exciting. Um, in addition to all the other things that they're doing. Okay. Last thing. Um, when someone joins grid rival, talk to me about the functionality, what are they going to see and how does the platform work? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing that's important to note that they're going to see is they're only going to see motor sports. <laughs> so that's going to be a big difference when you go to, when you go to the lobby to, to find, you know, a game to join, you're not going to be seeing NFL or you're not going to be seeing all that stuff. So it's specific platform to motorsports, but um, right now, the game that we're going to be launching, uh, well, so I guess right now, if you're to download it today, what you'll find is a kind of a season long league game where you can join in leagues with your friends. You can, you can manage a fantasy team over the course of an entire season. Um, we have two sports on there, which are Formula One and MotoGP. Um, our goal is to have NASCAR and IndyCar up by the start of next season. But the big, the big piece of functionality is going to be coming in the next two to four weeks, which is going to be our first daily fantasy game. Um, and what you'll do on there is you'll be, you'll be able to join contests of anywhere between three and 20 players um, for entry fees of anywhere between two and a hundred dollars, right? So it's, it's kind of a pool model. And then what you'll do is you're going to build a lineup of drivers um, based off who you think is most likely to win, win points, fantasy points based off of a number of different ways that we allocate fantasy points. Uh, and you'll uh, be connected with all of the players in your in your contest. You'll be able to talk with them, communicate with them. Um, community is a big part of what we focus on and are con- going to continue to focus on. And then um, at the end of the event, we score the race, and um, you know payouts are paid. And um, that's kind of the gist of the first game. So it's pretty simple to start. And as we get user feedback of what people like and um, want to see more, we're we'll continue to iterate that product. Ross Fruin is the co-founder and the CEO of Grid Rival. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. On the next Future Sport Podcast, peer-to-peer trading is live in New Jersey. I think betting is, especially the amounts you're betting and what you're betting on, is still somewhat of a private concept at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't think there's a real scalability factor to matching people um, who are friends or knowing who they're going against, not to mention there's a lot of regulatory concerns of knowing who you're matching against. Um, So just for all those reasons, I mean, we really want to focus on building the most liquid, scalable platform. That's Jake Benzaquin, co-founder of Profit Exchange, who aims to bring a European model of gambling to the States and challenge the idea that major operators can offer the best lines. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.